This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. With Amy Wells, I am Mike Keith, and Titans Radio's draft duo, Coach Dave McGinnis and Rhett Bryant. We welcome you to Martin's Barbecue on 4th. It is so exciting as the OTP Live rolls on for day two, Amy Wells. Mikey, this is a full OT party. Like, this is incredible. It is good. It's, it smells incredible here for starters. I can't get over the, like, delicious aromas of barbecue. I can't think about anything else. But th there's Titans fans here. Everybody's hanging out. This is great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Will there be ribs at some point, Amy Wells? You know there will, will be, be ribs. ribs. There are always ribs. I can't be within a three-block radius of Martin's Barbecue and not get ribs. And I don't know that everybody here, even on our staff, remembers what Martin's Barbecue originally was, Rhett Bryant. You and I used to sneak out to Nolansville, and Pat Martin had what was a, a small house, maybe even a shack. Yeah, it was, it was uh, in Nolansville. There, it used to be called the Canary. And it was where you could learn how to cane bottom weave old antique chairs. And so that became the first original Martin's Barbecue site. I went the very first night that Pat Martin opened his doors, and I've been a fan ever since. He is a dying breed of old school, whole hog smoked barbecue. Very old school style. It continues to be my favorite barbecue in the world. He's one of the best at it. What? It's a, it's a worldwide brand now. Yes, that's correct. Uh, there's six of them here, but he has tentacles everywhere. As a matter of fact, Pat Martin has a book now. Yes, he does. He has a book called Line of Fire, Mastering the Arts of Pit Cooked Barbecue, the Grill and the Smokehouse. And so if you, if you love doing barbecue, this is a great book. You can get them here at Martin's on 4th or any of the other five Martin's locations in our general Middle Tennessee vicinity. But the bottom line is this is an incredible story of somebody who started with a dream and now calls people like Guy Fieri for it. No, absolutely. I mean, this is outstanding to be here. We've done other Titans radio productions here before, you know, in, in previous seasons. But, this, I mean, the smell that is coming here, would somebody please, it doesn't matter to me who it is because I like everybody in here, would somebody please just bring a rib, put it right here. That's, I mean, that's single that's, rib. That's really what we're looking for. I mean, this smells amazing, and what a great crowd. On the Mac, don't steer yourself too wrong, though, because the smoked wings with a little side of Alabama white sauce, that's what this guy's getting later. Red, I didn't want to ask for you. everything once. I just wanted one rib. What about the brisket burger? Well, oh. of course, there's redneck tacos. I mean, oh. the redneck taco is what I go for. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. And it's strong. It's a strong play by it you, Mikey. It's a strong play. All right. So this is day two of the OTP live tour as we travel around the region, visiting with the OT people, talking Titans football. A review of our first visit. Very quick one. We started at the Columbia Welcome Center. Amy Wells sampled ice cream from Hattie Jane's Creamery, and your favorite was? The Cookie Jar Supreme. I sampled Ooh. it at the location. I finished it at my home. It was great. We <laughs> highly recommend the Columbia Welcome Center, a great spot. Coach Mack and Red have been preparing for Titans Radio draft coverage April 28th and 29th. Every pick in rounds one through three. They have come up with the Coach Mac 150, Coach Mac's top 150 prospects in this draft. We talked about the seven quarterbacks that Coach Mac has in his 150. That's Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Malik Willis, Liberty, Matt Corral, Ole Miss, Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, Carson Strong, Nevada, and Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. Both Rhett and Coach Mac guess three quarterbacks go in the first round, although Rhett says we could see four. Matt Corral is their wild card quarterback that somebody may love. Both Coach Mack and Rhett guessed that all seven of the quarterbacks we discussed would go in the first three rounds. Rhett named E.J. Perry of Brown as his potential quarterback sleeper. 
Coach Mack named Jack Cohen of Notre Dame as another sleeper. And then Coach Mack told us why wide receiver money has exploded in this offseason, saying that the evolution of the passing game means elite wide receivers are game changers in a way that elevate them to the point of being paid in an elite way. Coach Mack says he does not see that changing. Did I get everything pretty much right there? You always get things right, well, Mike thank Keith. You. But that was, uh, yeah, that's a good, good wrap-up of what we went through yesterday in pretty good detail. And as we move towards the draft, we'll get in greater detail. And then clearly on draft night, then we'll see how this all unfolds. But that's a great comprehensive roundup. Now we're getting into wide receivers today. And I think it would be prudent before we start talking about the wide receivers in the draft to do a little, a, a little bit more recap, if okay. you don't mind, Mike sure. Keith. And kind of summarize a conversation that we had on the OTP on Wednesday about wide receivers and mainly about A.J. Brown. Would sure. you do a quick recap just in the event that there are people here who didn't hear our discussion about A.J. Brown and what's going on right now? Well, it got some attention after the OTP was tweeted out. A lot of people have responded to that edition of the show. And I think a, a lot of what it came down to is the fact that I really felt like for the OT people with there being so much angst about the talk about A.J. Brown potentially being traded, the question became, how did we get to this point and what's real and what's not? And I don't get on anybody in the media for throwing out possibilities, hypotheticals. Listen, you're doing talk shows, you're writing columns, you're doing blogs, you're doing TV shows. That's what you do. Some people don't understand that. I do because I did that for a living. Right. It, and it doesn't mean you're trying to stir up trouble or you're just making things up. But what we laid out was sort of the 100,000-foot view of how it got from receivers are being paid a lot of money to now A.J. Brown could be the next one being traded. And it started with a discussion that led to the Jets. And the feeling was, okay, if they were going to make a move for another wide receiver after not getting Tyreek Hill, who could it be? And the two names were DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown because they are players whose contracts are up. And the question is, they obviously are going to want bigger money, so could the Jets make a trade for them? Well, suddenly that became these two guys are on the trading block. Right. It went from this discussion, and I contend a lot of it, Rhett, was because it's New York. And I think anything that echoes in New York becomes a big deal. And then people start seeing all of these things. It's like, well, the Jets do have cap room, and they did try to trade for Tyreek Hill, and they have extra draft picks, and oh, wait. And suddenly it's like he's on the trading block. Right. Well, I didn't go to the league meetings with you guys, and so I did not hear what John Robinson said about this. I know – what his comments were, but I didn't hear the gist of it. So on Wednesday, before we did the OTP, knowing how much angst there was among Titans fans about this talk, and in particular the OT people, I said, John, what did you say? What is it? And he said, I want you to tell people what I'm saying to you right now. And what he told me is he hasn't called anybody about A.J. Brown. He hasn't taken a call about A.J. Brown. He loves A.J. Brown. And his intent is for A.J. Brown to continue to be a Titan for a long time to come because he is a Titan. We loved him enough to pick him. Right. And, you know, it was, it was fascinating because what I saw yesterday from some people and heard from some people is as they heard that, along with Mike Vrabel's comments on the Rich Eisen show, that A.J. Brown was not on the trading block as long as he was the head coach, it seems to have reassured some people that – he's really not being traded. And I, I don't think he ever was. I just think it started in this weird way. And, Coach, having been on the inside of those rooms, I'm sure that stuff drives you crazy. Well, it does. And, and, and you, I think you explained it very well. This is hot take time. It did germinate out of New York. And plus, what they were trying to do is just because exponentially how big the money has all of a sudden gotten for receivers, then everybody starts looking at the next group of receivers that are up for a big payday, and then those names came into being. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. And so then uh, it germinated from there, and you're 100% right. 
But I, uh, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel did what most coaches would do, what I did as a coach when that came up. Look, he's our player. We want him. We've not talked to anybody. So anything else you hear out there, don't believe it. In the world of receivers with all that's gone on, you know, and, and we went on the OTP on Wednesday from a step A through H. There were a lot of steps. There were a lot of <laughs> steps. But as you got there, you began to say, oh, the temperature's right, and here comes a cold front, and here's the wind. And now by the time you get to, to H, there's a blizzard. Right. Correct. And that's what happened in this case. That's exactly right. Suddenly receivers are getting a lot of money. The ones who aren't are being traded. Oh, here are a bunch of other guys who want to be traded. Again, John Robinson said to me on Wednesday morning, he goes, I ain't called anybody. I haven't been called. I, I'm not interested. This is this is AJ Brown's going to be on our football team, right? Well, and I think I think when you break it down and you walk through those steps and all of the ways that you can see how people would make, well, if this then right. this type of assumptions, it makes a lot of sense. Well, it's easier to draw a line because you have just in the end of the wave here the the craziest free agency period we've ever seen. Right. Right. Absolutely. So could it happen? Anything's, you know, so you, you can put something out there. And I think you're right because of the market size of where that came from. Rich Samini, who's covered that uh, area for a long time, had his name attached to that. So it's like it got legs very well, quickly. And you have to follow, and you, and you do, Red. I'm, not, I'm saying one has to follow what he said. He said if he is available on the market, the Jets would be interested not he is available on right. the Right, and, and, yeah. and he came back and said after Diana Rossini's report and what John Roberts said and what Mike Vrabel said, Rich came back and said, if he is made available, I believe the Jets would be interested. I believe a lot of teams would be interested. There you go. But the whole thing yeah. is he's not available. Right. Any team with money, would, and with money is quite the caveat. Right. Any team with money would be interested in A.J. Brown. The Tennessee Titans are not interested in giving him away. The Tennessee yeah. Titans are interested in A.J. The Brown. Yeah, the Tennessee Titans are interested in keeping their man. And let's take it a step further. The Jets have picks at 4 and 10 in the first round. And while I listened to that OTP that you did, and rookie receivers aren't an immediate plug-in and play-and-go, you can get a really nice receiver at 4 or 10. Right. Yeah. So there we are. Well, let's move to the Coach Mac 150, and let's talk receivers. 19 receivers Rhett Bryant and Coach Mac have put into the Coach Mac 150. 19. Can we run through these 19 guys? Let's do it. Do you mind, Mike Keith? Let's go. I've got the list of 19. Go. And uh, so here's the wide receivers that have been pulled for the Coach Mac 150. Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Jalen Tolbert, Romeo Dubs, Sky Moore, Alec Pierce, Calvin Austin III, Tyquan Thornton, Bayless Jones, Khalil Shakir. That is quite the list. Where did you stop on the first page? What do you mean, where did I stop? Did you say Wondale Robinson? Oh, no, I didn't. Man. Did you say John Mechie? No. Did you say David Bell? Look at this list. It's even longer did you than say, my printout. Did you say George Pickens? No. Christian Watson? Christian, Christian Watson. Watson? Guys, this list is even longer than the Not list Randy. I have in my hand. Not Randy Watson. <laughs> Christian Watson. <laughs> it's Some of you than will I get that thought. reference who are older. So let's talk about these 19. What do you think about this group of 19 and the entire group of receivers in this draft, Coach Mack? Well, when you talk, talk about a top 150, and when you talk, if, if you're talking about 32 picks around, that's going to take you through the middle of the fifth round. Okay. Okay. Now, there's going to be more than 32 picks around because now we've got compensatory picks. Okay? And so when you're talking about this group, there will be most of this group, in my humble opinion, will be gone by the end of the fifth round. You know, most of this group will right here. And so that's what you're looking at, and that's what you're looking at that is out there in collegiate football nowadays, in the NCAA football, because it's, the game has evolved. It's a throwing game 
11 personnel, which is three wides, one tight, one back, is the predominant personnel group now around collegiate football. It's a first down personnel group in the National Football League. So your starting 11 on offense now is no longer two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. It's three wide receivers. You've got a lot more playing ball now in this game. And so I think most of these guys, in my humble opinion, as I said, will be gone by the end of the fifth round. And, Mike, some of them are big physical combat catchers. Some of them are smaller, super speedy slot receivers and everything in between. Do you have a favorite? You could just say it's okay. I have a favorite. Do you want my favorite? I'll tell you mine. I know what mine well, is. This isn't a doubt. like picking a child. It's okay. We won't tell him that he's <laughs> no, our favorite. No, we won't I, tell I the rest of them. You, you've got to give him. It's like we're here. All right. We're at Martin's Barbecue. Okay. It's all barbecue, right? Which you love all of it. I like all of it. And it's all really good for you. It is. But it's, it's different. Very good for like, you. Rhett loves the wings here. I mean, he was talking about whatever they were An eating. Alabama white sauce the on Alabama the side. Alabama white sauce. Yes. Amy can't wait to get into a, to a rack of ribs. You're talking about the brisket. It's all good. Uh, what type do you want? You want to all around, the guy that I think all around is going to be the dude. Sure. When he comes into this thing here, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State. You know, not the biggest, but this guy is smooth. Good. He was a great route runner, good, good catch radius. I think this will be the first receiver taken. Amy, do you have a favorite? You know, I really like Valus Jones. Wow. Yeah, I just really do. I like the way he plays. I, I like. There's a lot of things about him that I think are really strong. He's a guy I've got, but I've got a couple. It's the barbecue analogy. <laughs> He's one of a few. It's hard to pick from Mike, a list like that. You, you go and then I'll go. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is my favorite. I, I, after, I, I love him. He is brisket. He is brisket. He is brisket. He's brisket. He is a bad man. He's six two. He's two twenty five out of Arkansas. He's one of these guys. His whole life, he's done everything. He played basketball. He played baseball. I, I mean, he's just this phenomenal combat catching athlete. Everybody supposedly wants Debo Samuel now, who can line up in the backfield and you can hand it to. And well, I mean, this guy, you can clearly do it. I just like the way he plays. And, Coach, you don't think he's going to go top 15, do you, because of how he ran? I think he will go in the top half of the draft. Okay. Okay. But the way he ran, just because there are so many, and look, he may not go in the top 15 because of the other receivers. It's because of the other positions that are there. Okay. There's offensive tackles. Edge pass rushers. There are edge rushers. Right. You know. Corners. Corners. Sure. So you're talking about positions now. We're talking about the draft, top 15. Uh, I mean, here, here's who he's like. He's like the guy we just spent 20 minutes talking about. He's like A.J. Brown. Well, that's he who is, he's like. I feel about him the way I felt about A.J. Brown before the 2019 draft. Wow. Which was kind of sad. And, Amy, if he were to come here and be drafted here, he would be a – I think he would be a great fit. I think he would be a natural for the area. I think he could get a television deal immediately to host his own outdoor show because off the field, the dude is a total unbelievable guy. Really? He is uh, an avid fisherman, an avid hunter, bow hunter, uh, you know, in terms of hunting deer. But Amy, he kills goes boars and with a knife. Yeah. He, he, he kills he chases, wild boars. He chases wild boars. He not do, a he, gun. He will not use a gun. He, he uses a knife. His, his dog... And a, and a knife. You now, might the, be eating one of them these, today. These, <laughs> these hunting dogs have been specifically trained to take down wild boars and feral hogs. They corner them. They will get them by the ear. And they, I've seen this stuff. And this guy will go after a wild boar that can kill you. Yeah. And 200 he will pounds. do it with a knife because so does, that is more fair does he to have the to hog. Catch the hog, or does the, the dog, dog does the dog the gets him cornered, and okay. then he goes in. Then he goes in, and then only if it's big enough. Big enough, or if it's not big enough, he releases it. It's a it. catch and release. If it's big enough, they eat it. This that dude is, like a, is that is a man. He's a stud, Ugh. man. Yeah. I, I tell you who else I like too. I like Wondell Robinson from Kentucky as a well, slot, so now, and there's a different guy, now a now totally different player, different player, different position. And that's why I say my analogy here. It, there, there are different types of receivers in this draft. Wondell Robertson may be the most twitchy, gadget-gadget 
dude in this draft. You start looking at his numbers, his speed, his jump ability, make you miss. He is a slot receiver. Didn't he transfer from Nebraska yes. to Kentucky? Yes. That's okay. correct. All right, so let's go through a couple more of the, the – He was Mr. Football in Nebraska Okay, as a high school player. Which is player. saying something. Let's talk about a couple of these other guys. So we talked about Traylon Burks. David Bell from Purdue. Rhett, productive as all get out. But he's a record setter at Purdue. 17 100-yard games, yeah. former basketball player, not the biggest twitched-up, most quick athlete dude, but he's a good catcher. He's a really good receiver. You like him? Good route runner. I like him, but I like him at a certain point. He ran 4-6-1. Yeah. He ran 4-6-1, and, and when you really start comparing him to what else is on here, to me, David Bell goes to a football team that is really comfortable with the rest of their receivers, and this guy's a nice piece. He's a nice piece. I don't think he will ever come in and be the guy. He won't ever be one of these guys we're talking about in the future, I don't think, that's getting $25 million a year. But he's a nice piece for a football team, and he did the same thing at Purdue. What he does, to Rhett's point, he gets open, he's got he's a nuanced route runner, and he catches it. He's a reliable catcher, and he understands, and, and he's, a, he's a tough guy. He's a combat catcher, but he's not overwhelmingly physically, size-wise, and speed-wise. He's a 4-6 player. There's another guy that has, I think, a lot of upside, and that is Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Yeah. He's a guy that, I mean, shoot, Mel Kuyper himself called him the most underrated player. Of all the players, he is the most underrated guy in this draft, and he's a guy who's a wide receiver who was incredibly successful at Western Michigan had never caught a pass until he got to college. He was a quarterback, and he was playing corner when he was in high school. When you watch him play, the thing that stands out, you know, we talk about receivers, and what you look at when you're scouting receivers, are they snatch catchers? Can they, can they snatch? His hand size is enormous. Yes. For a guy that's five, nine and a half, he's got over 10-inch mitts. Which I mean, makes Kenny Pickett look like he's mini-me. Mini yeah, he's got 10-inch <laughs> mitts. He's a very, very tough guy. This guy is the, is the quintessential slot player in 11 personnel with three receivers. And, and, and he's, a, he's a physical player. I like this football player a lot. Amy Good only, football player. Only seven drops in college. First 1,000-yard receiver for Western Michigan since Corey Davis. That'll tell you the company he's in. Talented young man, and he's a return man as well. So he's, he can be a core special teams player he as brings well. That, he brings return ability to the table. But I think he starts in your 11 package immediately when he comes to your campus. So, like, if he were to come here with A.J. and with Robert Woods, you think he could be in that unit? He the, would have a chance. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You like him that much. All right. So I want to hit Amy's guy, Valus Jones Jr. Mm -hmm. yeah. from Mobile, Alabama, which I know is Mobile. Uh, <laughs> mobile. Mike's favorite place. Mobile. It is Mobile. It's Mobile. So he, of course, played three years at SC, comes to Tennessee, is having a nondescript time with the Vols, and then in week four they move him into the slot. They make him the punt returner and he becomes the SEC Special Teams Player of the Year, and now there's talk that he could be picked in day two of the draft because of his versatility, his power, what he did at the Senior Bowl. Coach, what do you think of Bayless Jones Jr.? I, I, you know, I watched him all year doing coach-to-coach -coach with Doug Matthews for 20 weeks, watched the, the Southeastern Conference. He got better as the year went on, too. Now, to your point, he is, he is from Mobile, he did go to USC, and then he really transferred back to Tennessee, applied to come back earlier. His grandfather got sick. Right. He wanted to get back closer to home. And so, but he was denied that. So he had to go back to USC for a year and then reapplied and was able to come and then stayed an extra year. This is a guy that really exemplifies what's going on. The reason the draft classes are so big right now is that sixth year that people got because of COVID. This is, a, this is an example of that. The thing that you're looking at with him, if you're going to go on the negative side of him, he'll be 25 years old when right. he's drafted. He's as old as some of these players we're talking about getting big money on their second contracts already in the National Football League. So keep that in mind. But what he did when he was at, was at Tennessee, every chance that he got to touch the football, he did something with it. And then he goes to the combine and puts up some excellent, excellent, physical numbers. He's a physical player when he plays. 
If he jumps up into the second day, it will be because of what he did on the field. You know, we asked yesterday down there in Columbia on the podcast, how much does the combine, how much does that work with the film study? This is a guy that really helped himself, not only when you go back to the film, but also he put the numbers up at the combine. I like this player. I think wherever this player goes, he will make the squad. To your he, point, 4-3-1 and 4-3-6 40-yard dash. That ain't slow. The people at Tennessee did not expect that either. I called some, some sources up there, and I said, I know you knew he was fast. Did you think he was that fast? And the answer was no. Now, I want to ask you, and I'm glad you brought up his age. What is the main reason why an organization or a coach would be a little apprehensive because he will be 25 years old as a rookie? Is it because the father time clock is ticking in football world? Is that what it is? Yes, and how long are you going to have him? Right. How long are you going to have him? Because, I mean, it's just the, way, it's just the nature of the beast in this league. You know, sooner or later, physically, there are going to be younger players always coming up to supplant what you're going to be doing. And so that it always it, – it's a It's a factor. It is a factor when you look at it. But the pandemic it's, has created some of this. The pandemic has created That would normally be like young men coming out of BYU who went on two-year mission trips right. and those kinds of well, things. Well, and let me say this, Red, and that's a really good point when you really get into draft rooms. Age for an offensive lineman is not as, as critical as the older as it is for a receiver, for a running back, you know, possibly for an edge rusher. But there are some edge rushers that are now playing – pretty well into their into their 30s but age you know really goes with the position too but normally these guys these guys it starts to drop off their physical skills speed is what we're talking about speed and and foot quicks is what drops off quicker than anything but I guess uh, just to play devil's advocate to that you're also getting someone who's a grown-up coming into oh, that you're room. absolutely you're getting that. a veteran Maturity. presence so to speak because he's a guy that's a little older who has made some adult decisions throughout his career and is going to show up and maybe you can capitalize on where he is physically for a while and still be paying him in his first contract yeah, it, it does not take him off a board right it doesn't take you off a board and i think it's an interesting point you make because one of the things that you never know about a lot of these guys being drafted is when they're 20, and some of the guys who will come off the board in round one are 20 years old, not yet 21. How are they going to handle all of this? Right. How are they going to handle being on their own all the time they now have, the money situation, the different influences that are on them? Because in the college situation, a lot of your situation is very controlled. You're managed. You're, you're, you're managed in many different ways. Valus Jones is a guy who's already lived some life. Yes. He's been through some stuff. Right. He's done some things. You stand there and talk to him, and you get, this is an adult. <laughs> if he makes it or he doesn't make it, it's not going to be about him as a person. He's not going to fail as a human being the way, in some cases, you know, and, and that's a lot of what we see in this is the unpredictability. You could say, oh, so-and-so's a great kid. And so, Bayless Jones is 25 years old. Yeah, a lot of times when you see a player who kind of flames out or something happens, it's not always because their body stopped. Right, it's because or they, they can't play. Yeah, it's because they couldn't handle the arena that all of a the sudden they were being yep. put in when they were 20, 21 years old. This is a guy who has seen some stuff, has made some real-life choices, and maybe can be a guy who can walk in and be more of a cerebral presence right away just to play devil's advocate. Well, yeah, no, 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 it's not devil's advocate. He's not off anybody's board because of his age right. to begin with. I mean, he's not 31. You know, and he's not 35. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being 31. Well, to quote him at <laughs> the he's, Combine, he's we ask him about that. The Combine <laughs> is availability at the uh, – at the uh, podium, and he said, guys, I'm not 40. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Well, the other thing he said, too, he goes, I want a job. He goes, I'm willing to cover kicks. I'll yep. be a gunner. I'll play running back in practice. He goes, I don't care. Yep. Because as of October, he wasn't going to the NFL. No. He wasn't right. going to be picked for the Senior Bowl. He wasn't going to be picked for anything. I mean, he wasn't playing that much. Right. And – all of a sudden, he got his chance, and five-plus years of work 
all kicked in, and he's like, I want to be a professional football player. You love that attitude. Great example of a guy that has elevated himself in all the right ways. Right. Performance, attitude, and then performance at the combine, and then I'm sure the 30 visits that he's making, that this just what you guys are saying is coming out in all of those interview rooms. All right, some predictions. Amy, you go first. Oh, How many no. wide receivers go in the first round? Of this list or in general? Just in general. Yeah. Is 10 high? Ooh, 10 would be high, I think. I don't know. There's just so many good ones is the problem I'm having. I'm having a hard time eliminating. All right, so you're not going to answer. <laughs> uh, just let me go last. Okay, Rhett? I have eight going in the first round. I have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave from Ohio State. I have Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I have Drake London from Southern Cal. I have Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Jamison Williams from Alabama. Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And my wild card is George Pickens from Georgia, who is coming off of an injury but is a monster combat catcher. Six. I had seven. His first six and Sky Moore. Yeah, I've got, I've got six. And I think, I think Christian Watson is right on the bump. And then because Daniels has the injury... You know, he's got the talent. It's just do you want to take someone, you know, with, with, with the ACL at that position and lose him and lose him for a while. Sky Moore has really made a, a move. He's made a move, but I've got six right now. What's your final number, Amy? My final number is eight. eight. I'm taking Rhett's eight. Okay. <laughs> how many? I in wish you would have said 11. How many in this group? <laughs> we'll let Rhett go first since he was willing to step up. How many in this group for sure? are gone by the Titans pick at 26. I have, by my count, I have four gone by 26. I have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave from Ohio State, Drake London from USC, and maybe Traylon Burks. Wilson, London, Olave, and Jahan Dotson, I think. So you've got four. I got four. I'd say three or four, yeah. Four is my number. Yeah. I think that the decision could be, if, if you're thinking wide receiver at that spot, Jamison Williams from Alabama is really hard to pass up because of the speed. Correct. But then I just, I love SEC guys too, and so Traylon Burks is, if he's still there. I think he may be there. All right. Who of the group, the 19 receivers in the Coach Mac 150, who in the group would be a great pick for the Titans at 90? Potentially, Coach Mac, you can go first. Though. Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. I liked him. Khalil Shakir, you saw him for a week. I did. At the Senior Bowl. And when you put his tape on at Boise, here you see a really complete football player. This guy understands how to set up defensive backs. He understands nuances of moves. He's got great body control. He's got great tempo to his routes. And what I mean by that is a lot of guys will run fast to the break point, then slow down. You can read those as defensive backs. You can get visual bird keys off of that when you're watching tape. I like this. I, Khalil Shakir, that's my guy. Rhett? If he's there at 90, I love Valus Jones Jr. I love your pick Fine. there. Just because of what we've talked about he can do in the return game, play special teams, line up at running back. He's willing, he's able, and he's got speed to do it. That was mine because I think he could be there. Jalen Tolbert is the one for me from South, South Alabama. Alabama. Mm-hmm. The Mobile native was a guy that had a great 2020. And when the new coaching staff came in, their number one recruiting job was convincing him to stay. And then they got Major Applewhite in there from Alabama as the offensive coordinator, and they really featured him. He is, he is a player who makes big plays and can do a lot of things. Showed well in the senior bowl that he stepped up to the level. I think he could be, if, if at 26 the Titans go edge rusher or corner or offensive line, I, I think at 90 he would be a really interesting pick who because another older player who yep. might be able to help you because he's, he's pretty grown up having played in various systems. You'd love it if he got to 90. I don't think he does, yeah. but you'd love it if he got to 90. But they're not just – people aren't just going to love him because of the height, weight, no, speed no, no, thing. No, no, right. Because he's not, he's not the biggest guy in the world, and he's not the fastest guy in the world. And teams have other needs as well. Well, and that's the, that's the key when we're talking about, you know, for the OT people, we're talking about these guys in a position right now. We have not anywhere near got to 
vertical and horizontal draft boards where they're getting to pods compared to other places and other needs on all the teams. But is there an interest just in this group because of the amount of depth that there is at the wide receiver position and the quarterback thing being not as prevalent this year, does that change I think the it does thinking a little. a little bit? I think. Well, I think what it has done, I, and, and you've got a very good point there, Amy, it's rearranged what the first round of the draft is going to look like with the quarterback group as opposed to the offensive tackle group, the edge rusher group, and the receiver group. And let's piggyback off of that with what we've been talking about on these last couple of OTPs with what the wide receiver money is. The cost. With the depth right. throughout, you can get a guy, and if you make that pick and it hits, and you've got him on a rookie deal, you can save yourself some coins. Like A.J. Brown. Bingo. I mean, you get – And it all comes Who was a second-round pick, pick, 51st 51. Yeah, overall. I, I mean, there have been very few picks that John Robinson has made in terms of cost towards value. I guess Derrick Henry maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But it took Derrick Henry longer That's to become right. a factor than it did A.J. Brown. That's right. And I think you could make the contention – that outside of Derek Mason, A.J. Brown's the best Titans receiver there has been. Yeah, because Derek Henry was behind DeMarco Murray for two years. And A.J., I remember it well. Three for 100. In, in Atlanta in week four yeah. is where he really started to but, make his move. But he had three for 100 in the Cleveland game. That's right. In the first game of the season. All right. Is there a day three wide receiver that either one of you, Rhett or Coach Mack, would love to have? There is a young man that is going to be in day three from Texas Tech. He's a Red Raider, Eric Izukanma. He is 6'2", 209, 36 and a half inch vertical leap, 10 foot, 6 inch broad jump, 33 and a half inch arms, 4'5", 440, and really started to make explosion and explosive plays in 2021. Five catches over 45 yards for the Red Raiders. And might I add, he's versatile because he caught passes from five different quarterbacks in his college career. He is someone that I think you can take in day three, bring along. The explosion and things are there. He's a good catcher, needs to work on route running and those things. If Valus Jones is there in day three, that's who I'm taking. And he may be. Yeah, that's who I'm taking. In day three, I'm running. I'm running to the podium with that name. Romeo Dubs from Nevada, who's also on Coach Max 150, is another player that I saw at the Senior Bowl that I think that you like? Could be a dude like that. I don't know that anyone will love. He's taller. He doesn't run great. He Maybe he's a kick cover guy or something. I don't think he's as versatile as Valus Jones, but he's a good football player. Good football player. All right. I like it. I'm glad you guys are on board with my guy now. It just he's took good. a minute. Always, right. always been on board. Let's, <laughs> let's get all the facts out there. All right, so this is the <laughs> OTP on the OTP live tour. We're at Martin's Barbecue on 4th Avenue in Nashville. And, of course, we're brought to you by our great friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Better rates, better coverage, better service. That's why Tennesseans have been relying on Farm Bureau Health Plans for their health care coverage for 75 years. I want to get in tight ends before Coach Mack and Rhett Bryan get away. Twelve tight ends on the Coach Mack 150. Amy, would you please give the names? Yeah, I mean, I'll do my best. I might leave a couple That's off. That's all right. You let me know. I will. <laughs> I've got Trey McBride is on the list. Isaiah Likely is on the list. Jalen Widemeyer's on the list. Jake Ferguson, Craig Dulcich, Charlie Kolar, Jelani Woods, Daniel Bellinger, Jeremy Rucker, Grant Calcaterra, Cole Turner, and Cade Auden. Did I miss anybody you did not. on you got the em. Coach Mac workout plan? You got You're em. great. We got You're great. We're, there's going to be a couple that will be off of that list, but it's not your fault they were on it. Really? Coach yeah, it was Mac's our fault for cuts. putting them up there to begin with. Well, this, this, this isn't final. This, we're, we're All right, not, so we're, this we're is just through, the now. We'll All right, so is Trey McBride clearly the number one tight end prospect? I think. Okay. I think. I can't just jump out and say that somebody won't like one of the, that somebody won't will really want a a, a a bigger dude. You saw him at the at the Senior Bowl. He's not real. He's not he's not real tall, but no. he does everything else you know that, that you want. But to this point, I say yes. Rhett, I think so. I think the difference of opinion is to where he is versus a difference of opinion with teams with Greg Dulcich from UCLA. I think Greg Dulcich is he the may guy be the more who, complete yeah. tight end. He's made the jump. 
because he's run well. He did a good job at the Senior Bowl. He showed that he could block. He might be the most athletic of the every down tight ends. I think Isaiah Likely is probably the, the best pass-catching space guy. space guy, the big receiver who's playing tight end. The thing about Dulcich is he needs to add a little more functional strength with his arms and his uppers a little bit. He's, he added 35 pounds since he went into UCLA. He's a smart guy, academic All-American, yeah, three point five GPA. I get to spend some time, spend time with him. Eighty-inch wing. Yeah, he's an impressive guy, and you know he talked a lot about how bright you had to be to play in the Chip Kelly system uh-huh. in terms of the level of responsibility. I liked him a lot. I want, Coach, I want to ask you about Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M. Oh, good. What a bizarre sort of set of circumstances. There were people entering the year that had this guy as a top ten pick. Yes, they did. And then he goes out and he does a good job at Texas A&M. It's not that. But his testing has been, I mean, he's run like the 40 and five seconds. And Are you through? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, no, because I wanted to get into this. Go. Because, you know, we told you yesterday when you asked us, we said this, this will change. Right. Because as you go through, and just what you said, this guy was a major, major prospect coming out of the Southeast Conference at A&M, who's a really good football team mm-hmm. and getting better. And look at his – he set the all-time record at A&M for tight end catches, tight end production. But when you start watching him – and so I started watching him early, you know, because I'm dialed into the Southeastern Conference pretty heavily, and I'm going – it left me always wanting – I want a little more. I want a little more out of this guy to, to carry that type of a saddle that he was being – that was put on him. You know, I'm saying, I'd like a little more, a little more, a little more. And then when these other guys, you start watching tape and you start going back. To, if you're honest with yourself, he's a heavy-footed guy. He's not real nimble is what goes on. And when you start, when you start really watching him, there's some things that you go, clearly, he's not in the top 10. Maybe he's not even in the top 20. And then you start working through it with these other people. I mean... Now, you start, as I say, about taking him off the, one, the top 150 list. We're talking about the fifth round. That, to me, is about where you start looking at him. That's where you start looking at him because his film, when you start digging into it, and then his numbers don't match up with all the hype. This is what you're talking about, Coach Mack. First of all, he had the dropsies in 2021. Eight drop balls, not good. But of his 118 receptions in college, only four of those were a 30-plus yard play. There's no yak yards. There's no explosion afterwards. That's the heavy-footed he's talking about. But, I mean, this is a guy, Amy, that I would say he had a disastrous combine. Is that too hard? 501 in the 40? I think that's one. Yeah. Not only the 40, the rest of it. The rest of it. And then his pro day was no better. I mean, he was – I mean, he put up numbers. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Coach Max said it yesterday and reiterated it today that – there's kind of two different things that you're evaluating here. There's his performance on the field, and there's all of the supplement stuff that leads up to the draft. But it, it kind of makes you go. Yeah, but this is, <laughs> this is not like the Hamilton kid from Notre Dame. No. Who, the, the really good safety who maybe he's run a little slower than what everybody no, thought. No, it's dramatic. This is dramatically yeah. different. 25-and-a-half-inch vertical leap. Yeah. There's no explosion there. Yeah. But, well, but the thing is. What if, and, and this happens, what if he's just a really good football player? Well, the, the sense that you get, and so, I mean, I call people. Okay. This is what we want on the OTC. <laughs> yeah, this I is the inside. I call yes. people. But, yeah. but part about being able to talk to people and they talk to you is you don't, but I'm just saying they wanted more too, okay? okay. I mean, you, want, you wanted more when you, when, you started, when you started looking at it. And, and when Rhett, Rhett has, has got all the he's, – he's our guy that pulls out all the particulars. But I know what I'm seeing on film. And as I said, I went into it fully expecting to see a dude. And I saw an okay guy. I just didn't see a dude. Okay. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So let me ask you this, Coach. Some tight ends aren't asked to do certain things go. in college offenses. Some of them aren't asked to go out for passes. Some of them aren't asked to block. Is tight end evaluation as much of a projection as any other position in the draft because of that? Yes, and you bring up the, the, the most important point that people need to understand. And the tight end position has changed in the National Football League 
throughout the years. We start talking about the game being opened up uh, width-wise, horizontally, and expanding. We're talking about the proliferation of 11 personnel and most 12 personnel, which is a two tight end set. One of those guys is a split out receiver. So the, the position has changed. The requirements within the offensive system that you're running, you know, most people have one guy that can really do something well and the other guy that can do something a little bit better on the other end of it. You know, those guys that can do both, like the Gronks, those guys are the special guys. Those guys are the dudes. So the answer to your vi viable question is yes. It is, and, and, and plus it goes to the scheme that you're running. What are we going to ask him to do or what traits does he have that we think we can train into him or that we can improve upon that he can help us in what we're going to ask him to do. One of the prime examples of this question and what you've just explained is Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State. Mm -hmm. Jeff Heklinski is the offensive coordinator there. It's a very run-heavy scheme. Mm -hmm. Daniel Bellinger has all the measurables. He's six, nearly 6'5", six, 253, hands 10 and 1 eighths inches, 34 and a half inch vertical lead, 22 reps at 225. He only had 68 catches in college. He had three drops. That's it. And, by the way, regular on kick and punt return coverages, so he's a core special teamer. He's considered by a lot of people, Mike, to be the best blocking tight end in this draft, but I think he has hands, too. That's what everybody said at the Senior Bowl, is the feeling was he was the best blocker, and does he is he able to elevate yes. because he can get on the field to block, and then all of a sudden you start throwing to it. The answer to your question, and Red, bring it up. And this is this is a great. I hope people are recording this. This is. I hope we're recording. <laughs> are we it's recording a podcast, this? Matt. It's our podcast. Look at here. Ashley, we got a guy. Ashley yeah. Farrell we, says, we "I think so." Yes, we have a thumbs up. Yes, we we have a thumbs up. Because yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what you do with this position, and he is a prime example of that guy that you say we can make him into what we want. Outside of Trey McBride from Colorado State, Rhett Bryan. Who's the safest tight end pick in your mind? I go back to UCLA's Greg Dulcich. I think he's maybe the most ready-made tight end out of this group. And uh, we mentioned what a smart guy he is as an academic All-American. But I think he's, he's the guy that's not named Trey McBride. Dulcich. Dulcich. Who's the wild card in the tight end group who can become a star? I'm going to say Isaiah Likely because he doesn't look like a tight end. You know, and, and somebody's going to take him and move him out there and start moving around because when he gets out there in space, you know, he may be one of those guys that has an enormous amount of catches when they put him in his rookie season. You just don't know. This is not a guy that you're going to anchor in there and say, this is my war horse that's going to block the edge. That's not his game. But anything else, when you look at, look at what he is, you know, 604 and a half, 245, he can move in space, possibly this guy. My wild card guy is Cole Turner from Nevada. Converted wide receiver, only played the position for two years. He's currently 6'6 and change 249, 27-inch vertical jump, decent three-cone time. But on 93 targets as a senior in that offense, only three drops. He has a physical attitude as a blocker, probably needs to add some more weight. He's another guy that's added weight as he has changed to the position. But that's a guy who's one of only four FBS tight ends with double-digit touchdowns in 2021. He was the weirdest tight end I've ever seen physically because when he walked in the room at the Senior Bowl, right. he is so tall and skinny, right. I didn't know who he was. Really? No, no. I didn't. I, you thought a basketball player showed up at the wrong function. Yeah, he was lost. I, no. I mean, it, it's like he could, he could be 270. He's 240-ish now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he is a massive individual. And, of course, he was playing with Carson Strong, his quarterback. Correct. At the Senior Bowl. And so he got a lot of balls. That's his roommate. He and Romeo Dubs both roomed with Carson Strong. So they saw a lot of balls. It's called strategy. Right. And, I mean, somebody may steal him. Let me, let me add one more to, to this list. Good. Jelani Woods. Oh, he's 6'7", right? Yes, yeah, sir. And, and, and you talk about a, a different-looking dude. You know, was that Virginia? And so somebody's going to say, come on, be on our team, and we'll do something with you. I'm going to add one more. Okay, good. Charlie Kolar, Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah. This guy, how he got out of Norman, Oklahoma, because both of his parents are professors there. Yeah, they work for Goes to Iowa State. 
This guy is an engineer, like his father, who is a professor of engineering. 3.99 GPA. So Sounds like you, Rhett. If, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the first time that's ever been said. If you ask him to run nine yards because that's what he needs for a first down, he's going to do this in this thing. But 35-and-a-half-inch vertical leap. First down rate with 129 of his 168 career catches, 76.8% of those resulting in a first down or a touchdown, 23 touchdowns in his career for the Cyclones. I think what we've said here as we wrap up this edition of the OTP is that because of other needs and because of numbers and just overall depth, if you wait until day three to take your tight end, you're just fine. You're just fine. And, I, and, and this has been a great exercise because, you I mean, we've covered the gamut of tight ends, and one size may not fit all, but one size might fit really well with what you're trying to do at this point in time. And you may steal one on day three. This board is going to look as different as any board in the league. John Robinson has two fourth-round picks to start day three. And two sixes. There you go. There you go. And two sixes. Nice job, gentlemen. They've done their work here, right? I'll tell you what. These binders never let me down. (laughs) Ribs for everyone. Ribs for everyone. You guys have earned it. We want to thank Pat Martin for having us here at Martin's on 4th. want to congratulate him on his new book, Life of Fire, Mastering the Art of Pit-Cooked Barbecue, the Grill in the Smokehouse. And also just congratulate him on the great success of Martin's Barbecue. He deserves every bit of it. And it's so wonderful to have people come in from out of town and say, I got to go to Martin's. And to have known, as Red and I did, we would go out there when he started it. And it was the big secret when you brought back Martin's Barbecue for a birthday celebration or some sort of party. It was a big treat. Still is. But it's a treat everybody knows about now, and that's a good thing. Because he smokes the whole hog again, there's nothing on the menu that's bad, I promise you. Just try it. You want a smoked bologna sandwich? I like a smoked bologna What do you want? He's got it. Pat Martin is also what I call a great American. The (laughs) OTP Live Tour is sponsored by Farm Bureau Health Plans. For Coach Dave McGinnis, Rhett Bryan, and Amy Wells, Mike Keith says thanks for joining us for the OTP. Welcome to the big show where the